I'm Russell. And I'm Peter. And we're back talking about another hot info topic. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about we're, today? We're talking about de-extinction. So I was de-extinction. Uh, chatting with a, a friend of mine, Dom, and uh, one of the topics we were randomly talking about was both cloning and de-extinction. And uh, I thought that would probably be a really good topic for one of our shows. Well, I do like myself some dinosaurs. Yeah, who doesn't? Dinosaur eggs, they taste nice in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) To dip your toast into. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Nom, nom. Um, But James, was it James Cameron who did Jurassic Park? I think so. so. Uh, Yeah, you might need to check that I'll Google that. But tell us about... Can we really bring back some dinosaurs? Because we've seen it in Jurassic Park. We've seen yeah. it in Jurassic World. Yeah, where, they had them. Where they, they used frog DNA or something yeah. like that. Yeah, So go for it. Tell All us, right. tell so us let, about let's Jurassic have a Park. Look at, let's have a look at um, how Jurassic Park did it. So, um, as, uh, you know, when I think about the movie, what they did is they talked about how they found uh, fossilised uh, mosquitoes that were preserved in amber and what they did is they looked at those mosquitoes to see what uh, if there were any blood samples in there from you know dinosaurs they might have bitten yep. you know millions and millions of years ago uh, and then they extracted that dna uh, they rebuilt it and any gaps that they had in that dna uh, they replaced it with frog dna or amphibian dna uh, and then they put that dna into a living cell like an ostrich egg and voila out hatched a baby dinosaur and that sounds great. And I did, uh, like, okay, I just quickly just checked the directors of uh, Jurassic Park. And this is the original, not Ooh, not yeah. not the latest ones. Steven Stilberg. Of course, of course. We were uh, close. Someone famous. Joe Johnson. Oh. AJ Bayrona, B-A-Y-O-N-A. And Colin Trevola. Okay. Why can't people get, get simpler names? It's Trev... Oro. Trev okay. Oro. Yeah. So oh. it's like tomorrow, but Trev at the beginning of it. Anyway, um, so dinosaurs. Uh, I think I want to see a T-Rex back, personally. Yeah. So um, probably your best chance of seeing a T-Rex back is going to... Yeah, the <laughs> movies or maybe one of those animatronics ones. Because oh. sadly, uh, DNA has a half-life of about 521 years. And the last dinosaurs that we had roaming our planet was over 65 million years ago. You know, you're just giving me a really crazy thought. All those people that are dead in, in chrysos, the frozen yeah, stuff. cryogenics. Yeah. yeah. If they have to wait how many million of years for their DNA not to be valid? 500? Well, that, that's different because they're being preserved. So we're, we're talking about DNA that once... The animal is in the environment and it dies. Uh, e- even very soon after death, DNA starts getting attacked by the enzymes within our own system, uh, and it starts to fragment. So it doesn't. Be- it, it it starts losing its viability. But so it, what about those ones that are frozen? Those the frozen memo. Uh, we'll get to memos another yeah, time. But yeah. th- there's a rumor that there's a frozen mammoth at the bottom of the ocean. Well, we've we've actually found frozen mammoths. Do they um, still have their DNA? Well, they do, but it's not. Intact. It's not a full strand of DNA. So, so when we when people think of DNA, we think of the little cheek swabs that we do, and that will provide millions of copies of our DNA. Um, whereas when we find DNA in animals that have been maybe preserved in permafrost or that uh, type of environment, or um, that DNA is is heavily fragmented. So when we talk about half life, what we mean is that 
by that stage, most of, more than you know, a, a good percentage of it has yeah. already been degraded and lost. We, we we can't get it back. So when you're only dealing with fragments, you then have to find lots and lots of them to try to get a good, clear understanding of what the original full strand of the DNA looked like. Yep. Um, and sadly, when it comes to dinosaurs, so when we think about that megafauna that lived lived in the Mesozoic era, um, we just simply don't have any DNA. So um, we don't even have ancestral DNA. Um, the closest we've got is avian DNA from birds, mm-hmm. um, which we sort of say avian di- dinosaur um, uh, ancestries. Um, but in in that that in itself is not enough for us to be able to recreate a full um, animal from or, yeah. or a dinosaur. What we can do is we can try and reactivate some of the dormant DNA to see what comes out. And, and we'll talk about that maybe uh, a little bit later on. Um, but at this stage, um, that we don't have any dinosaur DNA. So going back to the Jurassic Park method of finding a mosquito trapped in amber. We actually do have that. So that that's real. They got that right. There, we do have mosquitoes and other biting insects um, that bit dinosaurs, you know, uh, 65 plus million years ago. Um, but what happens to insects trapped in amber is that all we're preserving is the husk of the insect. And as you know, insects uh, have exoskeletons. So whilst they look intact, uh, and even their abdomens are red and they look like they've got blood in them, that's only that the remaining stain of the inside of the abdomen. There's actually nothing in there. There's not even the, the insect DNA left in the... Um, well, there you go. So we won't be, sadly, extracting any DNA. But even but we've got mammoth DNA. Well, mammoths, la- the last mammoths died out 10,000 years ago. So mam- mammoths are not part of the Mesozoic era. Aren't they? No. And in oh. fact, a- our mammoths um, are very closely related to our um, Asian elephants. So, and, and that's how we're going to try and bring back the mammoth is we've got enough fragmented mammoth DNA so we can... Um, return the genes that uh, promote hair growth, that promote um, fat, uh, additional fat um, for the colder climates, uh, longer tusk growth. So all those elements that made uh, a woolly mammoth, um, we can then take as, uh, that from the fragmented DNA, put that or insert that using something like CRISPR um, into uh, Asian elephant uh, DNA um, and then... Hopefully it works. Hopefully work. Well, it should work. Uh, we're still, uh, and and this is part of the problem with uh, bringing back animals that have become extinct is is that um, what we won't have is a actual proper, you know, ten thousand year ago woolly mammoth. What we'll have is like a hybrid. Um, so some people have, uh, some researchers have sort of called them a mammoth, a mammothant. So a it, it'll be a hy- okay. hybrid between the mammoth and the elephant. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, and this is what's going to happen with any sort of um, animal that we bring back, unless we have a full uh, strand of the DNA that we can work from, um, such as, and we do have that actually with the Tasmanian tiger, the th- thylacine, uh, the um, yeah, we still can't pigeon. bring that that back fully. Well, it's because it's that that killer virus that has it. Remember the, the Tassie tiger went extinct because of a virus that kept poisoning them. Am I thinking of different animals? I think you're thinking of the Tasmanian devil that has That's that um, facial um, growth. Yeah. Oh gosh, off the top of my head, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's I'll find a, it. It's a uh, facial. Uh, 
Uh, anyway, so I'll let you find that on, on the Google machine. And um, so, yeah, so so even though we do have those full strands of DNA, we're still going to need um, uh, donor animals to bring the, um, the embryos to full term. Uh, and so with the passenger pigeon, we do have that. Yep. Uh, we do have um, uh, other birds that are very closely related to on the family tree. Uh, but with the thylacine, um, its closest living relative is the numbat. Um, so, because thylacines aren't mammals or canines, like we, you know, we look at it and we think it's like a dog or a fox or um, uh, that type of animal. But in fact, it's a. Um, oh, I forgot the term. Uh, <laughs> that happens. That happens. Why well, you remember the term? The devil's facial tumor disease is what oh, it's. Tumor. That's it is caused uh, DFTD. Uh, it is an ingre- uh, aggressive non-viral clonal, clonal uh, transmissible cancer that affects the Tasmanian devils, a, a superbowl native to Australia. Uh, it was first described in 1996. However, in latest news, uh, the international study involving multiple institutions over six years has shown that immunotherapy can cure the Tasmanian devil of the deadly devil face tumour disease. Uh, the research was led by the University of Tasmania's Menzies Institute for Medical Research uh, with the input of uh, from the School of Medicine. So there you go. And, and I hope that we can get that out there because we don't want the Tasmanian devil to become extinct like it's marsupial, which is the word I was trying to remember. There you it's go. It's marsupial cousin, the Tasmanian tiger or the thylacine. So anyway, getting back to the dinosaur question. Um, so let's assume that we miraculously somehow we find a intact strand of dinosaur DNA and of all the dinosaur species. Yes, please, T-Rex, T-Rex, (laughs) T-Rex. Yeah, so people have their favourites. I liked those big ones with the long necks, the Diplodonchus or whatever it was called. Diplodonchus? I'm not sure that's the right term. I don't think that's the right term either. I know, I know. I will try to find it for you. You know, the plant-eating ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there there are a family of those types. But anyway, I liked those ones because they were herbivores and... uh, they just like to be around and, the and long make necked, everyone happy. The uh, long-necked Yes, I think that's the family. Yep. So, um, and Brontosaurus. Oh, yeah. And Aspertaurus. <laughs> they they have some really <laughs> weird names, these dinosaurs. Um, but, yeah. Well, there you go. So, those are the ones I'd like to see back. And I wouldn't mind seeing a pterodactyl, although not running away from it screaming. But the thing <laughs> is... I just want to see the T-Rex ter- with the woman doing a race. Because from uh, Jurassic World, yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. We well, know that a T Rex can run. Well, you want to see somebody being terrorized by a T Rex? No, she didn't get terrorized the T Rex. She got the T Rex out to eat the big dinosaur, the hybrid oh, dinosaur. Remember? So, so you're fact checking the movie. I want to see whether a woman can out or right. a person can outrun in stilettos or heels, whatever she had on, uh, a T Rex, which. In theory, should be able to run up to forty kilometers per hour. So you you reckon it'll run her down and? Oh, it was going to chomp her for the chomp, breakfast. Chomp her bits or anyone, anyone, anyone who's trying to run away from. Except it. for maybe if it was the fastest runner on the earth. But you know, and you you raise a good point because 
and, and this is the problem with the, trying to bring back dinosaurs now. Um, you've got to remember, back in the Mesozoic era, so we're talking 65 million years ago, the world's environment was very, very different to what we have now. And the world's yeah. climate, I should say, is very, very different to what we have now. So to give you an idea, um, our oxygen levels back then were 35% compared to today, which is only 21%. So... If we brought back a dinosaur today uh, in our current atmosphere, in our current environment, um, they would actually struggle for breath. They, they would actually uh, have a, a, our version of what's called altitude sickness, which we, you know, so uh, someone could very easily outrun a dinosaur because they would be, you know, they probably wouldn't even be able to maintain walking, distance, uh, walking speed, let alone get into a full run. Um, but on top of that, uh, our planet was four degrees hotter back then. So uh, a lot of dinosaurs would find our current um, temperature a bit too cool, a bit too, um, for them to, to function in. Uh, and, and also the oceans. So our oceans back then were 37 degrees hotter. Uh, sorry, 37 degrees as opposed to today, they're about 18 degrees. So our, if we brought back uh, water living at a dinosaurs, they also would struggle to survive in those environments. Um, so, and, and we had less climate variation as well because um, the whole Mesozoic era, we saw the commencement uh, on the breakup of Pangaea, which was the you know the global um, connection of all the, the, the yeah. continents. Um, so the poles and the equator were um, there, there wasn't much temperature variation, whereas now obviously we do our tropical area around the equator is very much warmer than the cooler areas or the cold areas uh, around the poles and our land masses are spread out talking about environmental impacts on uh, earth and bringing back dinosaurs did you know in fact this is interesting from newscience.com yeah uh, in one billion years from now earth's atmosphere will contain very little oxygen making it unhabitable unhi- that word habitable. thank you uh, for complex uh, life so yeah you know we're, we're not um, going to be able to stay here indefinitely. Um, so Elon Musk, get that ra- rocket ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop playing around and get them all ready. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah. No, I reckon we're going to have oxygen farms where we make oxygen. Well, or can we make oxygen? Well, we can. O- o- oxygen is just a um, chemical compound. Um, but the the things we need to keep in mind is our long-term habitation of Earth uh, is always going to be time limited because our sun will eventually run out of um, fuel, uh, where it will begin to expand and will swallow. We us can up. regas the fuel just like our cars, just fill it up. Surely that's a feature in the sun. It's sort of not that easy. It would be easier just to move everyone off to another solar system. Than Any scientists that want to come on and tell us how to yeah. refill the sun, please do. Yeah, you'll probably find that they'll come on and say it's easier just to move everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> so. Okay, let's get back on topic. Um, so, so back anyway. So, so we'll bring back dinosaurs. The sun will explode <laughs> and they'll all die again. But actually, that's it. You know, <laughs> well, whilst we joke about it, no, but that's actually a really good point of part of the ethical issues about bringing back dinosaurs. So, you know, someone, and I think they would be very successful in arguing, if we can't conserve the animals that we have now, what makes us put any more effort into bringing back animals that 
we've returned from extinction or de- um, gone through the process of de-extinction. Yep. Um, you know, we are losing. And, and actually, this is actually, when I first started researching this topic, I didn't realise the severity of our current situation. Yes. I knew, I, look, I've always been an advocate that we need to do more for climate change. I, I've always known that, you know, it's it's a uh, increasingly important um, uh issue that humanity is facing and we are we are yet to marshal i think the correct emotional response and the activity to 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 curb this but um sadly uh what we know is that of all the species that have ever uh, inhabited our earth our planet 99 percent of them have gone extinct um yeah and, and what's more alarming and, and quite shopping, shocking and, and I'd also say unforgivable is that due to our rapidly changing climate and other human activity, human predation, um, our encroaching on um, the environments in which these species live, um, mass farming, um, you know, changing the environment or, or the agriculture to suit us rather than everybody else, we have sped up the rate of... Um, extinction of our species. So we're losing species at a rate that is anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand times higher than historical averages. So we are now in what is referred to as the Holocene extinction or the sixth mass extinction. And this is happening at 80% faster than it's ever happened before. So when we go back to the fifth um, mass extinction event, which was the end of the dinosaurs, um, or even if we look back 100,000 years ago, we were losing maybe one species per month would go ex- extinct. So th- this is animals, this is yeah. plants, this is insects. Um, but today we are losing between 150 to 200 species per day, not months, but per day. And I find that absolutely, f- uh, you know... Astonishing. S- astonishing, scary. Um, so I think as a species, we really need to start having... St- much more robust conversations and actions regarding our relationship with our environments, uh, our ecosystems, um, because the path that we're on um, isn't going to lead to a successful outcome, yeah. even f- especially for our own species. So even just from a purely selfish point of view, I think humanity really needs to um, go back and have a look at that. So Yeah, well, it is a very interesting time that we live in. We're giving money away to mines to mine the earth yeah. and not really planting trees. Yeah. and Not that trees would actually save us, but... Well, they would because they are part of the carbon capture um, process. But uh, my nephew, who's a, an environmental scientist, he said planting trees is a solution, but to plant, to bring a, a tree from um, seed to sapling uh, to full growth requires something like... Uh, I'm misquoting him here, but he was saying the the volume of water required, as opposed to just maintaining an existing forest, um, is something like you know fifty times the amount of water. Uh, and water is something that we also have a scarcity of. Um, only one percent of the world's water supply is drinkable water. Um, so you know, it, it, and that's why we're now doing desalination and all that sort of stuff. Scientists need to come up with a tree that grows by sunlight. Well, we also well. Well, that's a different topic, but we but we also need to help them. We can't just keep saying, "Listen, we we let's just keep doing what we want to do, and let's just push the problem off for scientists to figure out how to sort it out." Well, look, scientists, you're smart, so <laughs> solve, make a tree. I mean, instead of worrying about bringing dinosaurs back, make a tree grow without water. Now that's science. Okay. 
<laughs> maybe maybe at night time it, it sucks in all the little raids and grows and then... Yeah, there's, yeah. there's going to be other issues, though. I mean, Of course the there's going to be other issues, but we worry about them later, like we no, normally we do. Keep, we can't keep worrying about these things later. I mean, if we didn't learn... One thing we should have learned from the dinosaurs is that everyone thinks that dinosaurs went extinct because that uh, asteroid that... The Big Bang. That hit... Well, no, the Big Bang is the beginning of the universe. So. Well, on your graph down the very last page, it says Big Bang Extinction. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> if you look, it says Big... Or maybe it says Big, Big Extinction. <laughs> My eyesight's gone. Anyway, so <laughs> the... the <laughs> what? Russell needs his eyes checked. <laughs> OBSM. There you go. What was it? Specsavers. Yeah. There you go. Like That's that. free advertising for them. Um, so anyway, so everyone thinks that the end of the dinosaurs were caused by the asteroids that hit the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, yep. uh, forming the Chicola Crater. But actually, that was sort of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back uh, with regards to... Um, the end of the dinosaur period. It was, we, we during, uh, as I said before, in the Mesozoic era, we saw the breakup of Pangaea and the moving of our continents. So we were having quite a lot of volcanic activity uh, at the time, which was also contributing to a change in climate. Yep. It was just happening a lot slower. But if we want to see what a change in climate will do to, to uh, an ecosystem, we only need to look at our nearest neighbour, which is Venus. Now, Venus used to have an ecosystem very much like Earth's. But one but of the, died. but it did die, and what it has now is a runaway climate, uh, and a climate that can't even wouldn't support any life, let alone even our Venera and Mariner space probes that we sent to it. I think the most successful one only operated for about thirty minutes before it completely corroded and fell apart. Um, because oh, really? of, Because of how severe um, the atmosphere is. Uh, so could we not get a vacuum cleaner and just vacuum it? We could, but you'd have to have a really, really big, big <laughs> bag to put in the methane and all the other stuff that's there uh, that you need to sort of clear out. Isn't methane uh, used for petrol? Well, you can use it as a power support, uh, power supply, a uh, power fuel. Uh, let me Elon try this Musk. Again. You can use methane as a as a fuel source, but we're talking about a planet's. I'm, I'm just thinking that, that amount of BP. You want to go and mine something. Go and mine Venus, uh, and and this, uh, at least then you won't be ruining an ocean. Um, you'd probably be better off creating some sort of really hardy um, bacterial microbe that we can throw over to Venus, and as part of its um, processes, it's it's a um, it's a vacuum cleaner. No, what it does is it converts the methane into oxygen, and then maybe we can. Is that even it. possible? It is possible. It's it's the. Getting the life form to convert methane to oxygen is, is as a byproduct of its uh, metabolism is possible. Keeping the the organism alive, alive in an environment such as Venus, that's the hard part. So, well, um, you make it food, methane, and you make it poop oxygen. Yeah, but the it's, methane is just part of the problem. It's also excessively high temperatures, high, excessively high pressures. Um, Cockroaches, they last through everything, I tell you. <laughs> it's a bit of a fallacy, but we'll, we'll save that one for the another show on the hardiness <laughs> of cockroaches. So, um, <laughs> so, but it, yeah, so, um, so they believe that Venus um, 
uh, climate completely got away from it because yeah. of too much seismic activity. And one leading theory is that it also was hit by an asteroid, uh, which caused virtually every volcano on Venus to erupt at the same time. So it's it's a theory. I'm not those, saying those volcanoes. I tell you, they get yeah. you in trouble. So that's what was happening here. Not most, not all our vo- volcanoes were blowing at at the same time Thank or goodness. erupting at the same time. Um, what was happening was over a period of the, those millions of years is that those volcanoes kept spewing um, uh, different types of um, elements into the atmosphere and therefore changing the composition of our climate and uh, the ecosystems. So the dinosaurs were on decline um, by the time that the asteroid hit um, the Yucatan Peninsula. You know, the interesting fact here, that asteroids could not hit the sun. because they burn up? According to th- this thing that I just quickly Googled, uh, no asteroids orbit the sun. The sun is the only object that the sol- in the solar system that nothing else in the solar system could ever impact. It's not possible for anything to impact the sun because that's not how orbit works, apparently. That's the answer. Uh, and there is nothing in the solar system that does not orbit the sun. So everything orbits the sun. Does okay. it make sense? Yeah, make no, sense? I'm, I'm just sort of... Processing? Yeah, processing that. Okay, all right. So, we'll fact check that one. Yeah. Because everything orbits the sun, apparently. And I get that. I get that from the point of view when you think about how... Um, I thought Earth was the center of the sun. <laughs> no, I'm, well, joking. It, it I'm joking. Could be. I'm joking. It could be. <laughs> if, you only, if you only do your research on books dating prior to... <laughs> 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 a certain date, yes. Yeah, yeah. Before oh. the common era, so um, it would be interesting to see what would happen if 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 something like a planet hits the sun. Well, we won't have to wait that yeah. long. When it expands, it will take out. I wonder why that wouldn't apply to rogue planets that are just free floating that have broken maybe free. Maybe the of galaxy. Their... Maybe the the, uh, the 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 mass of the sun will turn its orbit into go around the sun instead of at the sun. Yeah, and so... Gravity, that's uh, what I was trying to get to, gravity. Yeah, yeah. So whilst we're completely off topic, and we will return to de-extinction in a second, is, uh, you know, when you you look at the models of how solar systems form, Mm. basically all planets are based on the um, stellar matter that is left in the accretion disk of the stellar body. So the sun, then you've got all the bits that are floating around it, and then you get little rocks that hit more rocks and then they form a mass that gets its own gravitational field which brings more rocks to it. Or gases such as our gas giants, Jupiter, um, Saturn, Neptune and Uranus. Uh, and, and there's lots of planets that have asteroid belts around it. Well, most do. So, so dwarf planet Cirrus is the largest object in the, in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Yeah, so we've got... Um, the two asteroid belts, and we've got the one, um, as you just said, Mars and Jupiter. And I think even in an earlier show, I accidentally said Mercury and Jupiter, but it it is Mars Mars and Jupiter. Um, And then we have the the ones that are beyond Neptune. Um, And now I've forgotten the name of that. Well, what we'll do is we'll we'll do this in another episode. Let's we get will back. do that in another episode. So bringing <laughs> Let's get back, back to dinosaurs. Yeah. So bringing back dinosaurs. So bringing back dinosaurs is uh, it's not really possible. Let's be honest. It's not possible. Um. So what? But if we could, we would. And how would we do it? But would we? You know. So there, there is oh. a lot of because where would you put them? Uh, is the other question. And what it, country don't we like? 
Come on, oh, let's name, oh, let's name a country oh, that we don't, don't like. That. Oh, we'll have the UN knocking on our door. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, okay. It's not about which country, it's about which environment would you put it let's, in. Let's think of it this way. Just like Jurassic World, they turned them into military or they tried to turn them into military weapons. Yeah. So we need a dinosaur that's going to be, and I can only say this for uh, historical purposes, where have we gone to war? We have gone to war in... Everywhere. Well, everywhere, but the latest war, uh, Afghan, Iraq, those type of climates. So is there a dinosaur that fits that type of climate? A desert, dry, hot climate. Well, no, because they do have cities that are based on rivers and, you know, so when we think of those sorts of places, we always think of the, you know, the deserts and stuff. But when you do think of uh, some of those countries, I mean, most cities and towns are formed around water. Oh, golly goodness, I'm so wrong. Guess what? how hot it is currently in Afghanistan, actually in Kabul, Afghanistan. 26 Celsius. There you go. So so here I was a, thinking dry, really hot, like 30 plus, like broom. Yeah. Well, if you, if you talk to someone who doesn't live in Australia, who doesn't know much about Australia, you say, what is Australia like? They would describe a desert. Yeah. But none That's, of very few of us, I should say, very few of us, uh, we, we're, we're coastal. We're a coastal civilization. We based our cities around rivers. There uh, rain and there tomorrow. And <laughs> if you And if you look at um, all the cities around the world, they um, the majority of them uh, are based around waterways. Yeah. Well, there you go. I learned something today, and that's that Afghanistan's well, not... nothing about de-extinction. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about the weather. There you go. All right. Well, look, see, this is an infotainment show. And whether okay. you learn accidentally or I apologize to anyone that listens to us in Afghanistan. We love you. Uh, but, <laughs> so yeah, but, the, but getting back to the point that you were making is what environment would we yeah. put these peop- uh, these um, animals in? Animals in Antarctic. Um, well, could could you really put um, a T Rex in a T Rex in the Antarctic? What what would it eat? How long would it survive being snow covered? Um, you know. Yeah. But but we have seen if we if we are clever about the discussions and if we do think about it, then reintroducing a species back to an environment it once inhabited can actually have many positive impacts. So um, and and probably the the most recent um, good example of this is when they returned the wolf packs into Yellowstone National Park. Yep. Now this was something that they did starting back in 1994. They released the first um, uh, group. Uh, of of wolves uh, or packs, I should say, not wolf group, uh, a pack of of wolves, and then they did it again in ninety five and ninety six, and what these wolves being reintroduced into Yellowstone National Park did is that they restabilized the ecosystem that was previously out of whack. So they used to be there, they were driven out and um, uh, hunted yep. and 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 killed, um, and then that had negative impacts on their environment. So. It, and after a long, long time of um, uh, the scientists looking into this and, and researching it and the ecologists, uh, they believe that bringing them back would have a positive view. And in fact, it has. It's it's brought the fox population back under control. It's brought the elk population back under control. Uh, it's allowed bird species to thrive again. Um, so it's done a lot of actual positive things. So, But if, the if hunters are still hunting them. No. Well, there, there, there's been that... Um, Protection. Yeah, they're, they're. What is it they call it? The, the 
you're not you're not allowed to hunt them anymore. Yep. So the, you're not protected species. Yeah, they're, so they're a protected species. So so when we think about doing this again, say for example with the woolly mammoth uh, and returning it to the Siberian um, plains, um, we are anticipating what will happen uh, is is that it the the woolly mammoths will promote grass growth again and the elimination of the tundra that now exists there. Um, and, and why that would be very, very good for us, especially from a climate change point of view, yep. is, is that underneath the, the, the Siberian plains is a lot of methane. Um, and when we think about climate change, everyone is talking about carbon. Uh, and that's because that's the current biggest threat to our climate. But what happens with climate change is, is that it's, it doesn't just go from one step to the next. It, it accelerates exponentially. And the next step will be the release of methane. So as the planet warms up, methane then starts to get released. It starts to get released from the ground, very much like poor old Venus. Um, and then that accelerates climate change even faster at an exponential level. Yep. Um, so And so underneath that tundra is a lot of methane that is now starting to um, uh, evaporate and start entering our atmosphere. So bringing back the woolly mammoths would promote grass growth, which is a very thick matting of the um, surface, yep. whereas tundra is just like straw, so it, 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 it doesn't uh, hold in that methane. So we believe that if we can bring back the woolly mammoth and if we can get it to successfully start um, living in that Siberian um, plains again, then it would help to reduce the um, methane escaping from, from that, that ground, that soil. Awesome. Well, there you go, people. If we can bring back... The woolly mammoth, we might be able to bring back T-Rex, who... <laughs> you keep going back to your T-Rex. <laughs> I love my T-Rex. It's good. Um, you, the best, you, maybe a puppet or you, a Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt and T-Rex, I want to see who wins. Usain Bolt should win. I reckon it's going to be really hard to get a T-Rex to tee up at the starting blocks. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't say it was foolproof. Actually, no, it wouldn't be. We'd do it the same way that we do chicken races or rat races. They all had their own lane, and it's just... And off they go. They have to literally... They're stuck, so they can only go forward. So, actually, I think <laughs> in in an in a, in a odd way, you're sort of... Because t- uh, there's a whole ethical considerations about bringing back dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm so, so not ethical with this race. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm trying to save you. Um, so, in this... In this what would we bring them back for? Would we bring them back for entertainment purposes? Would we bring them back for sport purposes? Would we bring them back for weaponizing them? Um, well, see, I reckon that we're already developing robot soldiers to yeah. to remove the human aspect yeah, of yeah, warfare. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't want really a, a T-Rex pet, let's be honest. We definitely don't want that. Um, as much as he might be gorgeous, unless, unless we take out all his claws, his teeth... Um, aggression, <laughs> aggression. Yeah. You name it. Well, we got cloning coming. And what would you have left? Just a, a, st- a big <laughs> bag of meaty bones that roars during the night. A, a, a really large cat. <laughs> Basically. Can you imagine the size of the doggy door you would need? I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that look, I could get off topic very easily about this. I'm, I look, we are coming up to thirty-four minutes in the show, so we've got a few more minutes. But you want to? You, you, I've got a sneaking suspicion you like the dodo. I do like the dodo. So I remember as a kid, I used to read the encyclopedia, and I used to look at all the animals that I really, really liked. 
Um, and one of them was obviously an elephant and that led me to seeing an article about the elephant bird that was extinct and then that led me on to reading about the dodo that was also extinct. And I remember just looking at it and I just felt very sorry for this little dodo bird because it lived on its own little island in Mauritius. Um, and it was the first thing that got flooded with the explosion. No. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Surely. Uh, what, what, what explosion? The, the, well, it was around with the dinosaurs, right? No. Oh, the okay. dodos, the dodo only went extinct about 400 years ago. Interesting. So it's, it's, it's fairly, in the grand scheme of things, so it, that is actually a really good um, way of, of introducing the fact that the closer uh, we are to animals that are extinct means that the environments that those animals live in are still viable and still the same. Um, so, for example, with um, the dodo, uh, li- living in Mauritius, their, their environment is roughly the same. We would need to clean it up a bit um, because one of the main reasons why uh, the dodo went extinct, a lot of people think it was because of um, human predation. So the sailor, the Dutch sailors would go there, they would eat them, hunt them, capture them. Um, but we're now thinking that that wasn't the case. What was the case is that when these ships would dock there and resupply and get fresh water and all that sort of stuff, um, the animals that were on those boats, so the cats, the dogs, the pigs, um, when they would let them roam around the island, they would um, uh, attack the um, dodo bird nests, they would eat the eggs, um, and of course when um, ships turn up, they obviously have mice and rats on them, uh, and they might go ashore and then stay ashore and then set up their own uh, colonies on these islands, um, and then they continue to then eat the eggs of the dodo birds. So whilst we think that maybe some of the dodo birds were eaten by the sailors, we don't think that they were. Let me ask you an interesting question, because I've just searched this. Well, they say that chimpanzees are close to human yeah. uh, with... Uh, according to this uh, Google, uh, humans and chimpanzees share, uh, surprisingly, 98.8% of their DNA. Yep. Could we turn a human into a chimpanzee? We can't turn a chimpanzee into a human, we know that much. But if we're from a chimpanzee, I think, 98... Well, 98 we share a common ancestor. Surely there's a way to... Like, we talked earlier about a chicken being put teeth into a chicken because yeah, so you, you, you can surely we could turn a human into a chimpanzee yeah so that um turning a chicken into a dinosaur is that atavism activation um process to activate um, some chimps so, <laughs> so okay let me get formulate my thoughts here because um, whilst we share a common ancestor so whenever somebody says oh well if evolution is real how come there are still monkeys and, and chimpanzees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because monkeys and chimpanzees didn't evolve into humans. That image, you know that image where it starts off and it's a monkey, yes. then a little, um, um, another primate, and then another yep. sort of human, and then an, what looks probably like a Neanderthal, and then a... Uh, yeah, I, I've, got the, I've got the image yeah, right that's here. That's actually wrong. Is it? That's completely wrong. So um, you're saying that image there is yeah, wrong. Yeah, that doesn't... No, that's wrong. It's, it's, it's a popular image, but it's completely wrong okay. because um, we share a common ancestor, so, uh, uh, Australopithecus, um, and then from there we branched off. So the, the tree of life, um, it, it, it's not as linear as everyone or thinks. most people thinks it is. It's, it's several branches. So there, was, there were about, 
well, there were many um, Homo uh, type um, species. So there was Homo erectus, which led to us. There was um, uh, Homo habilis uh, and, and a few others. Uh, Aust- um, I can't remember them all off the top yeah. of my head. Um, but we branched off. So from Homo erectus, uh, we came from them, uh, and eventually that led to uh, Homo sapiens, uh, which is us. So if you wanted to then change DNA, you would have to, because a lot of our DNA is dormant, some of our DNA is junk DNA, some of our DNA is actually very, very relevant and needed. Um, So you'd have to be able to map it all and then cut it and splice it and then put it all back together. But the problem of cutting and splicing and putting DNA back together is is that you then have to have a viable um, genome. Uh, and then you've got to find a species to put it in. And, of course, there's lots of ethical considerations. I just think it would be funny to to have a, a a person being born and then all of a sudden the person that thought it was a human being born ends up being a chimpanzee or an ape. There were, there were a couple of experiments. So, now, there is a famous... There is actually an experiment that has put human brains or human... Let me get this right because uh, the title of this article back in 2019 was a Chinese scientist have put human brain genes in monkeys. And yeah. yes, they may be smarter. Yeah, so th- there's a few things that we've been doing. Um, one, uh, we've been doing it with uh, other animals, such as pigs. Um, so we've been we've been genetically modifying their um, genomic structures so that their hearts and kidneys and, and, and those are more... Human-like, mm-hmm. uh, so therefore, if we wanted to transplant straight from a pig heart to a human, there would be no rejection. Um, it would be very much uh, the four chambers um, that are identical to ours. Uh, so we, it, it, we, we, we're doing that to try and reduce this donor um, having to rely on uh, human donation. Um, to replace organs. So if we can get them from animals instead, uh, that's what we're doing. And that experiment that the, that you were talking about, that's a recent one where what they did is they looked at the... Um, what they're trying to do is, is see, can you create these hybrids? Um, but I don't think it went past a few cells. Yep. Um, and in fact, a lot of these experiments never go past a few cells. Um, but there is a theory, there's a rumour that oh, about 40 years ago, 30 years ago, the Russians created, actually it might be even more, 60 years ago, that the Russians created a human um, um, chimpanzee hybrid. Uh, and they said that it, they were planning on using it to service um, soldiers. Um, but it's only ever been a rumour, but a lot of people have sort of, much like, you know, your Bigfoot, theories and your um, Loch Ness monsters, people say, oh, we did see it and it did used to walk around and it, you know, it even had a name and a rank and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's no real hard evidence that it ever existed. Well, we could keep talking, but we have come to that time where Ooh. we're going to wrap it up. Is there anything else that we want to quickly talk about? Um, just, uh, I think it's exciting. Did we talk about methods of bringing them back? No, we didn't. So there are a few methods um, of bringing back the the extinct species. So um, you know, one of the probably the ones that uh, is seeing a lot of results recently, um, but has been happening for uh, since you know nearly about seventy years ago. Uh, it's called backbreeding, or it's a play on words. So breeding back uh, an extinct. They should animal. have actually worded it that way too. 
Yeah, breeding back rather yeah. than back breeding. So, um, but uh, it started. So what? So what this is? So this is before we knew how to uh, genetically manipulate alter. and alter DNA strands. So what they would do is they would go to um, the ancestors of a certain animal that has become extinct. So. Uh, very much like the auroch or um, the quagga, um, and they would go, right, would well, these... Uh, the auroch is like a um, cattle, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, all our um, modern-day cattle is based on the auroch, um, or the majority of it, I should say. Uh, so what they would do is they would look for cattle that has um, features very similar to the auroch, and just like we do with our selective breeding, they would do the same um, with these cattle and, and over generations. We don't do selective breeding. We humans, do that. <laughs> humans just go and root something and then all of a sudden you have a kid nine months later. Well, that's That's humans. not selective. That's humans, but this, this is actually very selective breeding. I guess with dog breeding is purebred breeding. Well, and they do that now, yeah. you know, with um, you know, all the boutique breeds. Maybe we should do it with humans too. Only the only the best survive. Who gets to decide? Though? Well, we are overpopulating the earth, and that's a topic for another day we could, should, could well, talk about. Actually, global population, whilst it's still going up, is slowing. <laughs> it's it's slowing because of COVID, let's be honest. Wow, no, it's funny. I was talking to some nurses uh, in the country, in WA, and they're saying that they're getting all these um, additional COVID baby births, so... What I mean by that is not these babies have COVID, is, is that with lockdown and stuff like that, they're seeing an increase in birth rates. So maybe we need to make um, Netflix subscriptions <laughs> a bit more affordable. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually kind of interesting because I was actually just trying to get the worldwide cases. Um, so it, we have lost, according to the latest numbers on um, the data that we can s- see, uh, 3.27 million people have passed away off from COVID-19. So... Yeah, well it saved us a little. It's rather devastating. Yes, it is. Um, and we will talk about overpopulation in another episode. I'm sure we will. And if that number has actually helped us or not. Um, because don't forget, people still die normally too. Well, yeah, we 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 do lose. But how many people got born versus how many people died? That's a really interesting topic. Yeah, so we can have a look at that at another time. But uh, CRISPR nine is another technique to bring back people. Yeah, well, CRISPR. Well. I don't know if we need to bring back people as well, such. Well, dinosaurs. Bring back, or we're not bringing back dinosaurs. Yes, uh, we are. <laughs> we are yeah. so bringing back dinosaurs. All right, well. I don't know how. I have to figure that one out. Okay. <laughs> In your busy schedule, you'll somehow figure out how you're going to bring back dinosaurs. <laughs> Imagine if I did. I'm, uh, you know what? And I would be the first to cheer you getting that Nobel Prize. Uh, imagine, imagine if there was a little miniature T-Rex just stomping around. We weren't able to bring him back in the full size, but we were yeah, able to so bring we, him back. We brought back a miniature TRX. Yeah, with those tiny little arms. Yeah, he can be he can be your pet now. I wonder. You've turned a dangerous animal into a cute. I wonder if you could use it to like hunt mice and oh. help and help control like. Um, now you've got ideas. Yeah, mice plagues and stuff like that. Or any other small real rodents that we don't like. But, you like. know, you have to always be very, very careful when you introduce a species into an environment. Uh, and and you know what? And, and Australia is a classic case of it with the cane toad and rabbits. and. Yes, well, we've done enough harm to this earth, I think. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's time we sort of... We really do need to start reversing that harm and we certainly need to start looking at all these 
species that are becoming extinct. Yes. Well, uh, we are going to wrap it up here. So we have been Soundbites, and uh, this has been the extinction episode or de-extinction episode. Um, if you want to comment on any of our shows, please jump on out to our socials, DRM1 United, and leave us a message. Uh, we will read your comments out if we get them. Um, <laughs> oh, well, even if you want to ask us questions, yeah. we might not or know give the us ans- topics. Yeah, we might not know the answers, but we'll have a good go at it. Yes, um, we, we will leave you now, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.